Bob Iaccino joins us from Path Trading Partners to talk financial markets. Bob, welcome. Happy Wednesday. I want to jump off and just talk the RBNZ first and foremost. Uh, Reserve Bank New Zealand actually raised rates for the fifth consecutive time. The 50 basis point hike uh, it does seem like the Kiwi a little bit disappointed. Down around a half a percent here. And, uh, well, I guess traders were looking for uh, 75 basis points, I guess. Yeah, good morning, Ben. It just kind of goes to show you what the markets are expecting from central banks. They're expecting them to stay aggressive, the currency market specifically. And I would agree with that. I would agree that it's definitely time to continue to be aggressive considering the inflation risk. And I think your average person on Main Street might know better than us market participants about how bad inflation really is. You know, I keep seeing all kinds of conversations about the Fed is going to go too far and drive us to a recession. The Fed doesn't care about a recession right now. Neither does the Royal Bank of New Zealand. They don't care about a reserve bank, I should say. They don't care about a recession at this point either because inflation is much more toxic. So disappointing them, I guess they do care a little bit about recession. The market's reacting to that. I suspect we'd see the same thing here at the next Fed meeting if the Fed decided to pause, which I think some people are incorrectly calling a pivot. You know, the RBA, uh, it looks like they actually did consider a 75 basis point rate hike, but along the lines of what we heard from, I'm sorry, I said the RBA, I meant to say the RBNZ considered that 75, but along the lines of what we heard earlier in the week from the RBA, it does seem like there's more to come here and we should brace ourselves. Currency's been coming under pressure here still, and while it has gone a bit more sideways as of recent, we could pull the daily candles here and look at some of the move from 72 down to 55, 67 uh, just last week here. But uh, Bob, talk to us because, I mean, uh, we've seen the U.S. dollar coming off as some of these currencies have lost momentum to the downside, the Aussie dollar, New Zealand dollar, the yen for that matter, the British pound. I mean, uh, a big move up here. We're talking uh, 1,300 points, I think it was, uh, off that low, right, recently, 1,200 points off that low. I mean, all of this uh, creates quite the stir for the U.S. dollar as well. Yeah, so the British pound is an interesting one, ben, ben, because what we saw last week was the first major economy outside of Tokyo, outside of Japan, that engaged in yield curve control. That's really what the Bank of England did. They went out the curve to control the shape of their yield curve. Uh, that's not a good thing long term. Yeah. And I think when you see this rally in the pound, again, potentially, it's why central banks need to stay aggressive. And, and I was really glad, even though I'm generally in favor of tax, cut, tax cuts wherever they happen, however they happen, essentially reversing that was probably the right short-term decision, simply because it takes the pressure off the Bank of England to engage in yield curve control. Because yield curve control is one of those things that you can't stop doing it once you start. If you show and act like you can control the shape of the yield curve, there'll be political and economic calls for that going forward, and that's just not healthy for an economy overall. Q uh, infinity, basically. Uh, I've heard some people calling it, um, it once you get the ball rolling, essentially. You've got uh, the pound, which is firmed up a bit, to say the least here. Liz Truss talking this morning about how more tax cuts are to come, though. And I mean, long term, there should be if growth is her issue, which is really what the prime minister's issue should be. What we've got is conflicting narratives. We have it here in the U.S. as well, where the administration is putting out spending plans in the face of the Fed trying to curb overall spending mm -hmm. with rate hikes. So, you know, I've mentioned this before. They say you can't fight the Fed. It applies globally. You shouldn't be able to fight central banks. But the only policy that can do that 
individual human policy shouldn't be doing if fiscal policy is able to do it and they seem to be doing that. So again, I think Main Street might know better than Wall Street as to how toxic inflation is. You know, we're seeing a little bit of fear again play out with the crude oil spike. We've seen third straight day of a rally for crude oil, even though today's only about a quarter of a percent, 23 or 24 basis points. As I speak to you right now with the OPEC meeting basically starting, the OPEC plus meeting starting right now, we'll be off this interview before the decision comes. But you, you're getting a little bit of fear as U.S. gas prices tick up a little bit more that central banks in the one area they can't control, which is energy prices, will have another area of inflation to fight. And really, that that kind of needs to take hold in markets. I don't believe that stuff's priced in. Yeah, we were talking earlier in the show about, uh, I'd imagine, both Fed Chair Jerome Powell and uh, President Biden are watching this decision today from OPEC very closely and uh, uh, monitoring the situation um, on a minute-by-minute basis. I mean, as with crude prices working their way back up to this $87 level, uh, obviously a concern should we see that movement continue. Let's get back to currencies real quick, though, Bob, because I wanted to get your thoughts on while we've seen the British pound firm up. And again, we mentioned the RBNZ, not much uh, lift off of that news, uh, lower by about a half a percent, six tenths of a percent. Uh, talk to us about some of the other foreign currencies you're watching here. I saw that PPI number yesterday, the euro currency uh, for the most part, back to parity here this morning it was. And uh, uh, I mean, these currencies, again, coming off the lows here, but still headwinds uh, that are present to your point in terms of what you're speaking to as far as some of uh, what the D- UK is dealing with. Well, you know, I like to be specific with you guys, Ben, because you're uh, we're speaking directly to real traders on this show. And, and in our podcast on Friday, which we released on Monday, the Futures Edge podcast, I talked about being short the euro. Now, I had a stop in to get short the euro. It didn't trigger with the spike we saw over the last couple of days. But I still actively have that trade. I think given the economic environment, the one central bank that needs to be aggressive, that really can't be aggressive, is the EU. Right now, EU energy policy, they're basically, they've got their fingers crossed. They're hoping for two mild winters in a row. Or they are, they're hoping for some sort of resolution to the crisis, which now with the damage to Nord Stream, gets a little bit more complex than that. But to me, I see the euro going back to 90. I'm just not willing to pick a top here because Mm. of the amount of room that we have to the upside. You could argue that it could get to 115 if the fundamental thesis that I'm looking at is wrong. So what you really need to see in order to get short the euro futures is a breakdown below 98. Then I think you could see 90, although I'd have a much tighter profit target on that. and I'd have a tight stop as well. Against the U.S. dollar, the euro is in the weakest position, in my opinion. British pound, you know, they've taken those tax cuts away. We're seeing the biggest move by the British pound right now as I speak to you. A Japanese yen, other than being short the Japanese yen, I don't know what you can do on a trading basis with that until they abandon this interest rate peg. But from a perspective of the opportunity, I still think it's in the euro currency future. Um, with the microcurrencies, especially at the CME now, because you can wait for those larger moves, take smaller positions, and also take options positions, and really sort of fine-tune your delta exposure with those micros. Talk to us a little bit about uh, rates here, Bob. We saw the TNX up through the 4% level. We mentioned here the impact this has had on mortgage apps this morning at the top of the show, pointing out how the uh, refinance index, I'm not sure if you saw it, down almost 18% across the board, the refinance, the purchase, and the composite index. You've got mortgage rates up uh, 
through 6% right now, 6 and a quarter, 6.5% ultimately. I mean, uh, this is going to slow things down, to say the least, not only in terms of the housing market, even uh, many are calling that ultimately at some point we'll see that kind of play out as far as jobs as well. Yeah, so two things on rates. You mentioned housing. My good friend Jim Iorio tweeted out yesterday that um, you know, given what the Fed is doing, can you actually see home builders pull back and then the supply of homes collapses and then you see rates at least base, if not even go a little bit, I'm sorry, not rates, housing prices at least base and maybe even go a little bit higher. There's something to that. The vast majority of home sales are existing home sales, not new home sales. New home sales also are the most volatile because exactly what Jimmy said is correct, that as rates adjust and as demand for the new homes go down, builders can just not build. But generally, there's a couple of things at play here. First of all, I think that 397 10-year uh, yield that we got uh, on September 27th, that's, in my opinion, the high for the year. Mm. But it's not the high for the cycle. I think early next year, you could see 10 years go quite a bit higher. Um, four and a quarter, four and a half. I had 375 as my target for 2022. So 397, that September 27th high close that we got, I think it's probably the high close. Having said that, when you look at it from a perspective of housing, you're likely to see existing home sales start to fall in price. We're in a housing recession. We're in one. Home builder sentiment's down nine consecutive months. You just listed off some other pre pretty poor numbers. Case-Shiller housing price index is down uh, the last few readings. So the housing recession is something that's real. Again, I don't think the Fed cares. They have two mandates, full employment, and they have um, price stability. We're nowhere near price stability, or at least their inflation target. We're still at 3.7%. And the non-farm payroll's expectation for unemployment is 3.7 again. So what's to stop the Fed from continuing to be aggressive? I think it's wishful thinking that people think they're going to pivot, which is certainly the wrong term. Pause, I could see. But you've got a couple more rate heights coming in that. And then I suspect the 10-year settles in somewhere around 380, 390. Well, that seems to be what we're hearing from uh, individual Fed speakers as well in terms of uh, more to come, Bob. Listen to them. Listen to them. And not just uh, uh, Fed speakers here in the U.S., but talking central bankers globally as well. And uh, uh, we'll continue to watch the jobs data as well as some of the other points you brought to our attention. Bob Iaccino, appreciate you joining us here this morning from Path Trading Partners. We're